Big Fluff. She's been singing this one song for weeks because I won't let her play the 45 of it anymore. They called her Atomic Nancy for a reason. I thought for sure she'd calm down as a ghost, but no way. What? Your mom's a ghost? Yep. Um, can we meet her, please? Sure. and you're listening to Hobo Radio uh, and I worked on Adventure Time and my new show City of Ghosts is on Netflix. <laughs> and now, your host, miniature dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy. Hello again, I'm Joel Murphy, this is Hobo Radio and today I am very excited to bring to you my interview with Elizabeth Ito, who you may know, she worked on Adventure Time. Uh, she also did the short Welcome to My Life for Cartoon Network. And now she has a new show called City of Ghosts, which is on Netflix. And if you have been listening to this show, I, I talked about this show with Lars in a recent episode. Because uh, as I said, and as I say in this interview, I, I've just been in the mood lately to watch soothing television. Maybe you can all relate to that. Uh, and I watched Ted Lasso. I was looking for something else like that. That's just nice. You know, oftentimes uh, things are not nice in the world. And so I've been enjoying watching very soothing, very calm, fun television. And I found City of Ghosts, which if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's a show made for kids, but a lot like Adventure Time. Definitely appeals to adults and is really fascinating. It is about a group of adorable children who are voiced by real children who go around to different neighborhoods in LA investigating ghosts, but the ghosts aren't scary. Like it's all very pleasant. A lot of it just serves to explore the history of different neighborhoods in LA. Uh, they meet different people. They, you know, and it's, so it's, it's this mix. It's educational. There's a lot of like discussion of food, but all of that is just, you know, presented in this way that, you know, it doesn't feel overly anything. <laughs> like it just feels like a completely lovely show to just wash over you and to watch. And I, I learned a lot, you know, I've lived in LA for, uh, over four years now. And I feel like I learned a lot about LA, about the history of LA watching this and just really enjoy it. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm a big fan of her work and was really excited to get to talk to her about it. And the interview itself is delightful, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. So without further ado, this is my interview 
with Elizabeth Ito. I am very excited to talk to you about this show because I really love this show. So Thank you. Uh, but I'm curious, uh, just to start about just your background a little bit, like th- this, um, you know, path to being a creator, showrunner of an animated show. I know you have a background as a story artist. Like, is this always like the path that you felt you've been on? Is it always what you wanted to do or has it been kind of a more winding road to get here? I mean, if we take it from like childhood, it's probably been a little bit winding, um, like, when I was really little, I wanted to be like a, a children's book creator. Like I didn't really separate the authorship from the illustrations. And like, I think later in life, I was like, oh yeah, sometimes it's a, a different person writing it than drawing it. Um, but then somewhere like in the middle, like within, like from grade school till high school, I think I, I considered like med school or things like that because well, one, it's like the thing that's easiest to tell your family that you're considering <laughs> that for them to be excited about it. Um, not all of them. Some of them like artists too, but my grandparents for sure. I remember I was like, um, what if I went to like med school? Cause being a doctor is important. They got really excited. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then when I got to high school, I just, I still felt like, I feel like art is what I want to do. Um, but my dad was very adamantly like, what, what kind of art? Like you can't kind of just say you're going to do art and not have an idea of what, what kind. And I was like, I don't, I don't know, like maybe advertising. Cause I really like commercials. Um, and then it like in, I think 11th grade, I went to this um, animation program that was like a state funded thing called CISA. Um, and like it, I just went to it because all of my other friends at that particular time were going to different summer programs that weren't local. So I was like, well, I'm not going to have anyone to hang out with over the summer. So I should find something to do. So I went to this program and learned animation. And it was mostly from like um, kind of like the experimental animation side of things. Uh, but through that, like I figured out, oh, this is what I want to do. Like this is um, this is it. And then, yeah, I think figuring out how to do that after that was was part of the process. And then once I got out of college, like uh, after CalArts, um, it was really just like, what what's actually going to give me a job where they're going to pay me enough money to pay back <laughs> these crazy <laughs> loans that I, that I owe now? Um, and it seemed like every job that I applied for, the ones that I would get were like story or like the very first um, industry job that I had that was paid was was working as a story trainee at, at DreamWorks. Um, so it was kind of like a roundabout way to, to find like my, my specialty. <laughs> uh, so the story trainee program, I'm curious about that. Like, is it was it like applicable broadly or is it very specifically like they teach you how to write a DreamWorks movie? Um, I would say that it was like, it was a general thing. Um, but, uh, since it was at DreamWorks features, it was very much like, um, geared towards like if you were doing storyboards and 
and that kind of thing for feature animation because like comparatively they're just so different in some ways um but i did i did feel like the thing that i wished was that the job itself was as kind of as nice as the training program was because i felt like there were some things in there that they they trained me to do that were useful for like the rest of the story jobs that I had. So in that way, it was really nice. It's just sort of like when you get into the actual job, it's so much different because there's so much like work politics involved that aren't there when you're um, a trainee. <laughs> <laughs> so what, how much like creative control do you have as a storyboard artist? Like, are you pretty much just following someone else's vision or how much of it is you in there? Um, for storyboarding, it depends. Like, it really depends on um, either, like, who the head of story is and their comfort level with with you kind of going off script. Um, or, like, you know, in the case of, like, Adventure Time, it's, like, the showrunner, you know, how much they want you to do that's, like, straight off of what they wrote versus, like, you know, where is their wiggle room? Um, with something like Adventure Time, since it's already like board driven to begin with, uh, it was easier to, sorry, I think my audio, something went off, but I'm going to close these other windows real quick. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was with, uh, with Adventure Time, there was a lot of room because it was board driven. So like a lot of the actual dialogue writing and some of the, you know, the, the joke, well, most of the joke writing was, was all generated by the board artists. Um, whereas like a movie, they'll give you a script and there's sometimes wiggle room and it depends on who you're working with. But like, yeah, I think it just depends on who's running it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, since you mentioned Adventure Time, how, how did that come along? Because you were involved in season one, right? So you were there from... Ah, uh, the start. Sorry, my kids are uh, laughing. <laughs> no, yeah, no worries. <laughs> Sorry, what was your question? I was just curious with Adventure Time, like, because you you were a storyboard artist for season one, right? So you were kind of there from the beginning. Uh, what it was like uh, working on that show, um, you know, as a storyboard artist first, and then I know you went on to uh, yeah. act as well. It was really fun. Um, I think... I think that was the first show as a board artist even that I felt um, like all of the weird things that I, that I like and that I do in my storytelling and my boards were like appreciated and finally kind of like had, had like a, a real home <laughs> in a way. Um, like I think sometimes the types of jokes that we did on Adventure Time, if I would, I would, once in a while put that into things that were like you know normal movies <laughs> normal <laughs> movies as if adventure time is weird but like it is kind of weird so like and you, the reaction that people have um felt on adventure time to that kind of stuff felt like it was in the right place like it felt like people really enjoy this and this is what this show is about um as opposed to like well, I never would have thought of that, but like maybe we should think of something more like close to what the, the actual tone of this thing is. <laughs> uh, do you have an example of either like a type of visual joke or like a specific one as a storyboard artist of something that like you put into the show that like it was your favorite to do? Uh, there's a couple. Um, 
some of them it was like i loved it because later i found out they were like popular memes <laughs> like there was one where uh i had lsp like she leaves somewhere and she goes like bumps and then leaves <laughs> and i saw that as a meme um a friend of mine was telling me about her like she's like oh yeah i, I my password is based off of adventure time and i was like okay i'm gonna take a random guess but is it um whatever's 2000 <laughs> and she was like i guess i'm gonna have to change my password <laughs> and i was just like oh that's so funny and then i i looked it up and that was a meme also and that was just something random because i think you know the the situation was just they had said you know like lsp needs to get into her kingdom and so we I forget if we came up with that. It's a frog that she talks to on a toadstool. That might have been written into the thing, but I was like, "What kind of password would like an would LSP have?" And that just <laughs> seemed like the kind of thing that like it's like a grumpy tween would have. So, yeah. Um, and there were a few other jokes where they were mostly just like I, I was. I really felt good that um, mostly that they made Penn laugh. To be honest, like it's always really rewarding to have him laugh. <laughs> It's interesting that they were all uh, lumpy space princess because I, there was something about the, especially in the first episode, that ghost that I think visually there was like a little, <laughs> <laughs> like the fluffiness. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I was like worried at first, like, oh, I got to make sure it doesn't like have a star on its forehead. Well, that's a good question too, because uh, so watching this show, uh, watching uh, City of Ghosts, like, it definitely did not surprise me that someone who worked on Adventure Time wrote it, but it also doesn't feel like Adventure Time. But I, I can see like similar sensibilities. But I'm curious for you, like if you see like what the I don't know, almost like the Venn diagram crossover <laughs> is in your style uh, with this and with uh, what was the Welcome to My Life, too. You can see it as well. Yeah, I think. I, I definitely um, I'm glad to hear that, like that like others can see similarities because I think um, like w one thing that I, I feel like me and Penn have in common with our senses of humor and other people that work like really um, did a lot on the show too, like Adam Muto and Pat McHale and um, like sort of these jokes and the, the places that our jokes come from, I think are, are, really similar in that like there's there's like heart to the joke where like i mean i would hope that most of the stuff that we we that was funny about adventure time was funny because you have characters like being vulnerable like it's not really like a meanness that there's other shows where like that's really the center of what drives the comedy um and i think like yeah with like adventure time and then the way the way that it carries over to like welcome to my life and to um, city of ghosts is just it's it's more about like that that those like weird eccentricities that every every person and every character has and like kind of like appreciating those in a way where you're not really making fun of somebody you're you're kind of just trying to like show something that you think is funny but not like ridicule <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think Lumpy Space Princess is a great example of that, too, of like the comedy just comes from that character. Like nobody's 
making fun of her or anything. It's just a very outlandish character. So Yeah, and I really appreciated that Penn did the voice. Like yes. that just <laughs> yeah, the voice like is already so much comedy already captured by that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also think uh, you kind of hinted at this, but uh, one thing that, that I definitely think they have in common that I really appreciate, because I, I had this sense with both shows that of like, I wish these existed when I was a kid because I was like an anxious kid. So like I but uh, they both have like this sort of emotional intelligence, like they trust kids with bigger emotions than I feel like usually animated shows have. So I, I think that's a really wonderful thing because it's like and especially I think with like uh, City of Ghosts, you nail that in that. You know, the content is very much sort of, you know, you're dealing with heavy stuff, but you're explaining it to kids in a kid way. But the emotional stuff is played to the, like, absolute height of, you know. And I, I don't know. I just really appreciate that. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I was also a very anxious kid, and I'm still an anxious adult. <laughs> no, me so, too. <laughs> like, yeah. So, and, and it's interesting to see, like, um, my own kid like have those similarities so i think like like i've repeated before like a lot of it was for my own kids to sort of like give them yeah like give them something that i didn't feel like i had enough of when i got older maybe like i think when i was really little i had like sesame street because it was a little bit different than it is now like it was a little bit more chill (laughs) yes um And same with like Mr. Rogers, like I, I didn't realize until after we'd watched a couple of them that, that Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood was supposed to be like a, almost like a spinoff of Mr. Rogers because the energy of it was so much different to me. Like it was so much more just like um, giving kids like really like louder things and like more colorful things. It's not terribly loud. So I know I'm not like trying to rag on it, but it was just a little bit different than like mr rogers original (laughs) no yeah you definitely watched mr rogers to have fred rogers just be soothing like that was you know uh no for sure though um but yeah like i'm uh i'm curious to uh i guess to to step back so like when so where exactly like how did this all form so i can see in welcome to my life sort of the visual style start to come together and then it it feels like it evolved for this but just yeah like what what were you like what was the actual original i guess pitch or or vision for for city of ghosts so yeah like it was interesting because like one of the things was i had really wanted to just continue making or trying to make welcome to my life as like a series um and and then when it was like, oh, well, it's it's going to be a little bit tricky to work out the rights for that. Um, I was like, OK, well, I do maybe have another idea, but it wasn't it wasn't like completely um, formed yet. Sim- I mean, really similar to where I started with Welcome to My Life visually. Like, I, I remember thinking being a little bit scared like oh i don't i don't have like a perfect picture of what i'm envisioning in my head i have like a like a lot of kind of like it's like if it was a literal cloud like (laughs) your ideas it felt like you're trying like i was trying to like condense that down into an actual thing um so like i had started thinking about storytelling in in like VR and in AR and in these sort of new technologies that people are using because 
um, I had gone to this workshop where they were talking about, you know, can VR be used um, for new ways of like approaching storytelling the way that film does, the way that TV does. Uh, and I wasn't completely sure because like a lot of things that I had seen, like especially ones where they were live action, um, you, you end up feeling like you're a ghost because you can't really do much. So I had been talking to a friend about that. And I think that was in combination with, you know, when you're driving to work around here or you're driving anywhere, once in a while you, you'll see these like weird buildings or um, I got invited to somebody's birthday party once that they had at some house that I'm positive is haunted like in, <laughs> in Silver Lake. And I was like, this is so, this is so fascinating. Like, and, and like a lot of ideas kind of um, came to mind about how, you know, there's a lot of kids that see ghosts. I felt like I saw a ghost when I was a kid. Um, sometimes like, I would just wonder like, is, would it be bad to talk to any of these ghosts? Like, I, I know that I'm scared of them, but I don't know whether I'm rightfully scared of them because like, if it really is just like, a spirit that's around this place what's actually scary about that they just don't have a body like me which actually might be scarier if they had a body <laughs> but like you know so i think i just started to think of that kind of stuff and then um i thought about the techniques that i had used for welcome to my life and um i really still love doing things that that feel like um that feel like this american life or they feel like creature comforts or um, any like even like surfs up to some extent. I was like, I like these 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 uh, projects that have approached like making it seem real. And how can I do that? And then yeah, and then like just also the crazy amount of gentrification in LA. I felt like oh, I, I want to help help like show people that like this is this is what's getting uh, erased when we do that. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I do want to go back to you saying that you saw a ghost as a child, because I'm very curious about that now. <laughs> yeah, I when I was like around six or seven, um, I want to say like the previous year, my my great grandmother had passed away um, and. Like she was a, a leap year baby, so it was like. Close to her birthday, I want to say it was like on a leap year or something like that. But at any rate, whatever the case, it was by around her birthday, and I had um, I had just gotten up to go to the bathroom, and like as a kid, I was just always scared to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Um, I always thought there were ghosts or something. It's always something to be afraid of in the dark. And the other thing was like the toilet makes a loud noise when you flush it, so it always sort of have this like sprint back into my room right after I flushed it um but I was there and then I felt like in the hallway I saw something so I like called out to my parents and somebody said to go back to bed uh so I did <laughs> and the next morning my dad admitted like oh I, I saw something too earlier in the night but I was too afraid to get up like I, I thought maybe your mom would get up but uh yeah and then and then we talked about it and it was it was fine but <laughs> <laughs> that is no I, I really do like stories about kids seeing ghosts i remember i had an old co-worker who told me he had like had a newborn and the, like his baby like the first year uh him and his wife would set 
their baby on the counter and it would stare at this like one specific spot every time that like to them there was nothing there but it was like always fixated on the exact same spot so he, he was like utterly convinced that their kid could see a ghost like yeah so many parents um just even yeah like usually co-workers too they'd be like oh what are you making your show about and then i would tell them <laughs> and then they would tell me some story like oh yeah i was driving with my kid somewhere and they said they saw somebody out out, out there and they they said well what did they look like oh i don't know they were dead or something <laughs> like that and i was just like that's really crazy <laughs> Uh, so for this show, yeah, so it's, I guess we haven't maybe properly set it up, but yeah, so it's about there, it's like a bunch of kids and they're ghost hunters. Uh, and also very similar to what we were talking about with like Mr. Rogers and all that. It's, there's a, a like delightful lack of tension, I think, in all this. Like the ghosts aren't scary. Like everything, uh, is very sweet. Much like your parents, like all of the adults sort of, uh, just yes and and go with the idea of ghosts. Like, which all of that I love, especially this past year, I think has been nice to watch. <laughs> Uh, but no, so I'm curious specifically because you talked a little bit about the the style and everything of so yeah, there's like an interview component to it and and you're talking to real people a lot of times and you're using real locations. Uh, so I'm just curious like how you put together the episodes, like how scripted they are versus uh, was it just outlined like the interviews, like how real are those? Are those longer interviews that you're cutting down? Just all of that kind of process I'm curious about. Yeah. I always think about what the best way to describe it is because I get so um, like my brain gets knotted up trying to <laughs> like, explain how we did it because it was very like um, like for me like very like getting a group of people to be like a like a hive hive mind <laughs> um, like we would start with a with like a basic idea usually um, so like for the the Boyle Heights episode, which is the very first episode, um, I decided to start with that because I thought, oh, like uh, I I have the most personal history in that particular location that we could um, kind of like center the story around my history with the area, so that it's it's like we're not tackling some sort of like. I don't know, really hot political issue uh, by focusing on something that isn't even, you know, really my background. Um, so that that's where I felt safest starting. And then so once I sort of decided, like, what, you know, what is an issue that I could see happening in that area that we could talk about? And I had, I just read a lot of, you know, like, internet blogs and things like that. So I had been following a lot of stuff that had to do with, um, like, cultural appropriation of uh like food because i think that maybe a little bit before that there was some sort of um like snafu with this uh white chef in like on the east coast somewhere who was asked for like i want to say it was like bon appetit magazine there was some something where they had done a video about what uh pho the soup is and they had centered like a white chef dude on the show <laughs> and people like eventually they had to take it down just because people were just so mad that like yeah. why did you not just ask like an asian person about this um and i feel i felt bad for the chef afterwards too because i don't i don't know if he even realized like it was 
just gonna be his right spot like he might not have known either way i think people are just like oh that's a messed up situation all around so i was just like oh maybe it can be something about that you know like a chef is trying to start this restaurant and there's like a ghost that actually has a background with that and maybe that's where the tension is um because also i had known that there was like like one really old Japanese restaurant in Boyle Heights. So I thought, oh, okay, cool. We can center it around there. And then, you know, I can sort of talk about how Japanese Americans used to live there and why they live there. Um, so starting with that idea, like my documentary producer slash writer friend, Joanne, um, started researching all of it. Like she researched like different chefs we could talk to, um, people that owned restaurants, um, like uh i think different just businesses in boyle heights and like um all sorts of stuff like that and eventually we kind of just like i would listen to a lot of uh phone calls that she had sometimes sometimes i would read just articles and then i would come up with like an outline of like okay here's the basic beats of what i think should happen um and then Joanne would kind of take that and we'd schedule, yeah, interviews with people. And like, and but prior to the interviews, there's all these things that happen. Like there's a pre-interview so that when you actually do the interview, you kind of know like a roadmap of how to get to the information that you need. Um, and then like for me, a big part of it was like meeting people before you actually did the did the record for the show because um i mean i'm sure you know but so much of it is like people's comfort level and oh, like yeah, you're yeah. you're gonna get so much of a different response from somebody who's relaxed and being themselves than you do from somebody who's like i'm being recorded i'm so tense you know <laughs> yeah. um and then especially with this project, I wanted to make sure that whenever um, whenever somebody was lending us their voice or their stories or any of that, that they that they understood what we were going to do with it, that it wasn't sort of like, oh, I thought you were just making it about me and now I'm this weird ghost or something <laughs> like that. Like, I didn't want anyone to be blindsided by that. So, um, yeah, and then like for the kids, they were all um, cast because like with kids, it was harder to sort of like be improv <laughs> right. like to have everybody improv would have been a little bit of uh like a feat <laughs> so um, so you would do the interviews and then dub the kids in with the questions later was that kind of how it worked or? um a little bit like the, the questions were sometimes scripted to sound like they came from the kids um joanne would conduct these interviews in a way where she kind of like mapped it out so she knew like oh like for this situation we could get them to talk about this thing and maybe work it in um as far as like the amount of recording we had we had so much <laughs> it's just like uh there were some episodes that took a while to edit down just because like it was hard to pick like a lot of times it was really hard for me to choose like oh but you know this this thing that this character says is so cool but like, it's like, you know, five minutes long. And I don't think we can have five minutes of them talking about that thing. Um, so yeah. And then with some of the episodes, we had so much that I think afterwards, we were like, we really thought, I wish there was a way to like, use this additional material 
that people could listen to it, like just the audio of it. Um, yeah, you need podcasts or something, like <laughs> to <laughs> yeah, go along totally. just the full interviews. Uh, who who gave you the most? Like, who was the hardest to to cut down? Oh man, like. I'm trying to think who who had the most to say. I would say that like like the skate the skate episode was difficult. Like Daywan had a, a lot of really good things that he said. Um but I think maybe like the Tavangar episode was the hardest to edit cuz yeah, there were a lot of really, really deep things that were said where, you know, we wanted to include it. Um, it was also just hard with that one because we didn't want to make it too, like, like overly heavy because we wanted people to be able to appreciate like the joy of these characters too, you know? Um, but there's so much that indigenous people of everywhere have had to endure that it's really hard to to navigate that when you're editing people's dialogue for that stuff. Yeah. That was such a cool episode to do. Like I, you know, like I maybe didn't anticipate that going in. And then when you did that episode, I was like, yeah, I thought that was such a great idea to. Thank to you. Yeah. Um, was anyone like you, you said you kind of had to explain to them how you're going to use it. Was anyone kind of reluctant or like not wanting to be a ghost on the show or were there any conversations like that? Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> There was like, it was more like, in some cases, we, we, we hadn't fully decided what to name the character. Um, so like with the drummer ghost with JMD, um, I think at some point we had considered naming, naming him Juno. And as we, as we moved along, I was like, I feel like he should be JMD. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if JMD is going to be cool with that, but we should just ask him and find out. Um, so I remember we reached out, and I was really nervous that he was going to be like, "No," because and he did have to think about it. He was kind of like, oh, "I don't know." It's kind of like, "I don't know about using my real name, and I'm a ghost." Like, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta take a minute to think about it, and then eventually he was okay with it, and I was so relieved because like. I love I love his uh his acronym. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like weirdly forward thinking to play a ghost like in an episode yeah. of like that'll be there, you know, for future generations. I wasn't I was also not sure how Nancy Atomic Nancy was gonna be with being asked to be a ghost because he was <laughs> such a like uh like a wild punky character. Um but luck like I don't know what I was worried about because she's so just like uh into it <laughs> i was like cool <laughs> i love the animation for her and like yeah she was great in general and also i would imagine maybe someone that you know you probably had a lot of extra stuff too yeah yeah no, we she... had to edit out a lot of f-bombs though. <laughs> <laughs> it's not surprising <laughs> but no she was really cool uh well i'm curious uh you kind of mentioned your kids a little bit like do they watch the show like are they are they into it yeah, you know, initially I actually was because I wanted to like well, let me back up. It's kind of like when I when I make these projects, usually the easiest way for people to 
to like understand what I'm pitching is for it to already be in an animatic. And I know that sounds like, oh, it's a lot of work, but it, it, it was just something where I, I knew, like, I don't know if people are going to understand like what the tone of this is supposed to be. If like, they don't see it <laughs> like in some way. Um, and I don't think me pitching it on a board and using my own voice to, to replicate what a kid's voice is supposed to sound like. I think that's going to kill it. Like people aren't <laughs> going to not in a good way, kill it, but like, uh, so like I, I got my son to like record some of the first um, tests and like, and I remember like now he's like seven and he can read. And at that <laughs> time he couldn't like none of that, like he couldn't really read stuff yet. And um, like, I would sort of just have to, you know, uh, re read it for him and then he would recite it back. Um, but through this whole process, uh, they've seen it, like and it was also the same with welcome to my life which is really interesting and i think one that's one of the like really amazing motivators uh that they've been for me where it's like i'll show them something and if they get it and they laugh at it like it was sort of like oh okay that, that, that's fine we're fine we don't <laughs> need to change anything because like they get it yeah you have um, a focus group <laughs> like yeah, yeah, exactly. And they, they like would repeat lines and stuff. Like I remember I, I had showed them the Lamar Park one and they kept saying like chicken butts and laughing. And <laughs> um, one of my son's, one of his first favorite jokes was uh, when Zelda asked Janet, like, do ghosts go to the bathroom? Like he thought that was hilarious. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um have you gotten any indication like do you think do you feel optimistic about there being more episodes i know they this is relatively new but like you know how is that going like how's the reception been to it um the first part of the question i don't know like i, I mean i'm not sure whether there's going to be more my hope is that there will be um like the the part of me that's like not you know, Netflix corporate, um, the, the reaction's been insane, like in a great way. Like I've just, I've been so grateful that everybody, um, has received it so well. Um, like one of the biggest compliments I think is when people said like their kids wouldn't wait for them to watch it and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like that was really <laughs> like, wow, that's so cool. Like your kid found it and watched it and loved it without like you even being there. <laughs> that's, I'm glad it was a safe show for that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it, it's gotten the, the reception that I had hoped and then some by, by a long shot. So I, I, even if like, honestly, even if I didn't get to make more, I'm, I'm really happy that it's brought so much, uh, joy to people, especially like right now, cause, um, all of us recovering from this is going to be a lot. <laughs> No, I can say for sure, like for me, I, I've had that lately where I can really only watch pleasant shows right now. And so like once I finished Ted Lasso, then like I needed your show <laughs> like just to have something like calming and nice right now. So, no, I really appreciated it for that. Yeah, I've, um, I, I feel so glad to hear you say that. And also, I very much enjoyed Ted Lasso, too. It's great, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, are there, I mean, I'm sure there's no shortage of places, but if you did get picked back up, like, are there like some places that are your top priorities for like, you know, parts of LA that you want to focus on or like places that you didn't get to? 
I'm not sure. Like, part of me wonders, like, um, you know, like, I've had thoughts about, like, would there would there be other kids that started ghost clubs? Would there would it be cool to kind of like go like a, a step out from LA to like another like well, I'm just thinking of Bakersfield right now because somebody had posted something about vaccines being there, <laughs> and I thought about oh yeah, Bakersfield is something that's like adjacent. Um, to be honest, there was this one like like this is just from from like recent chit chat with with friends but there, there was this documentary that i watched over the pandemic that was great that was called jasper mall that was just about like a um i guess it's like a dying mall you know like a like a shopping mall that like not a lot of people go to anymore but it's still kind of like there's still community members that use the mall you know like to do morning walks or to do whatever um and i think i've thought like that would be so chill to do something that's just like that. Um, Cause that, that's one of the programs that helped me at some point in the pandemic where I watched it and it was really easy to just um, relax. <laughs> that's kind of like, I just watched the last blockbuster documentary too. That, oh man, I still got to check that out. But that has the same kind of vibe of like, it's so fascinating to see. I think it's Bend, Oregon that they, that they're in where it's like that community still just has a blockbuster and the lady who runs it is very passionate about it. But yeah, it kind of has that vibe. Yeah. Uh, and also similarly, just really pleasant. So like it checks that box. Um, well, cool. Um, is there anything I didn't ask that you want to cover? Like anything I didn't talk about? Or? No, I don't think so. I, I didn't have anything. Uh, I didn't have any expectations. So <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah what are you gonna do if the kids age up too much too for the next season since you're using real kids yeah that's the part that's been stressing me out i think like that's the biggest factor into like um like just from from me coming from you know the normal way that studios usually work when it comes to you know renewing shows and things i think there's a reason why most places don't wait until they see how a show does yeah. <laughs> to ask for more because especially with like kid voices even while we were doing the the six that we did um you could already hear them getting older a little bit towards yeah. the end and so i i did have this thought of like well it's probably just practically speaking going to have to either be different kids or you have to make them a little bit older. I mean, I guess like a lot of shows have just still continued to use the same voice, even though the character sounds older than they look at that point. Um, but like, yeah, I think that there's always been that thought of like, how am I going to get <laughs> more kids that were this cute? Like right. these kids had such cute voices and like, yeah. <laughs> no, they really did. And that that's such a like specific thing. And it's it, for all of the reasons you just said, completely understandable when studios don't do that when they get an adult to do the, but when you get real kids voices, like, I feel like it's always like, you can feel that like, and, and with your show, it makes so much sense. Cause everything is so authentic that like, I don't know, it'd be kind of weird to have an adult doing a kid voice. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Or even like when, when they get into like the teenage years, like, and their voice starts to get like older. And then I think some, some voice actors too, they'll, they'll try to like, cause because they started as a kid, They'll try to continue making their voice sound a little bit younger, and that has other issues for me. Right. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's I mean, that's pretty much everything I had for you. I like I said, I love the show. Thank you for keeping me slightly more calm like <laughs> during <laughs> yeah, the no pandemic problem. and uh and also for teaching me a lot about LA which um you know hopefully someday I get to explore some of these places that I get to see in the show <laughs> yeah I can't wait until we can all go out and like yeah visit visit all the places <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Elizabeth Ito, City of Ghosts. You can watch it on Netflix now. Please do, because I need them to make more of this show. So please watch it, support it, tell everybody about it, just so that they make more episodes. Uh, and if you enjoyed the interview, check out the archives on hobotrashcan.com. Uh, if you're a fan of animation, uh, well, if you're a fan of Adventure Time, I, I interviewed Hinden Walsh, uh, also interviewed... A lot of other people from animation, John Benjamin, Chris Parnell, uh, Gray Delisle Griffin. You can find all those in the archives to so check those out and, uh, you know, do all the other stuff like share, subscribe, all of those good things. And also, if, if you go back through the archives, we just wrapped up this massive TV theme song tournament. So you can go back and listen to that as well. Uh, but that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, question everything. Oh, my love, my darling, I hunger for your touch along.
thank you so much for doing this. Um, no problem. If I can, one thing I forgot to ask you, if you don't mind, just uh, if you don't mind doing an intro for it, where you just, oh, yeah, sure. yeah, just say like, this is Elizabeth Ito, you're listening to Hobo Radio, and then you can add anything you want after that. Sure. Um, this is Elizabeth Ito. Sorry, there's like... <laughs> like <laughs> it's always how it works, right? At the <laughs> Yeah, I, I like literally live right next to a freeway. So I was on like some radio show and they're like, could you go to some place where we can't hear the traffic? And I was like, I'll do my best. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> um, okay, so I'm Elizabeth Ito and you're listening to Hobo Radio. It's Hobo Radio, right? Yeah, Hobo Radio, yes. Okay, sorry, yeah. I was about to say oh, Hobo good. Podcast. I'm like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. In a world where people watch movies. I think I'm going to watch a movie. Sometimes they don't like what they see. I don't like this movie. Sometimes, they look for the silver lining. Wait a second. I like this part of this movie. Joel and Andy, do that work for you. The Silver Linings Playback. I like this part of this podcast where they tell me the part of the movie I like. Every Monday on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts.